All right, welcome back. Episode 5, Hunting, Fishing, and Faith podcast. I'm Jeremy Stalker with my co-host Bradley Greeson. Um, today, we are going to dive into detail of our early season gear and kind of setups and stuff like that. But um, first off, like we do every episode, Bradley, what'd you get on cam this week? So I got some good stuff. Check my camera on Wednesday, like usual, and had 2400 pictures <laughs> in like two and a half days and because your camera died yeah my camera died which i knew it was going to die this week so i went out there with batteries but i had friday morning which was morning of that main morning of that cold front i pushed mm-hmm. through last week i had a bachelor group show up and i had a legit shooter show up this week um it was a nice nice eight pointer yeah, probably like a 120-inch yep. eight-pointer. Yep, and he was hard-horned already, and he was in there about 9, 30, 10 o'clock on Friday morning and stayed stayed for about 45 minutes with the bachelor group, and there was a bunch of nice little bucks that showed up. He's probably the only one that I'm going to shoot, um, but there is a couple deer in there that I got a buddy that's hunting with me that um, that I'm going to let him shoot, so some of the others are maybe my brother, so depending on uh, what we see. But So, yeah, that was... That was my cam check, and then I checked it again Friday, right before we hunted, because Saturday was opening day, and checked it just because my camera had died, so I wanted to see if those bucks did come back after Sunday. And Friday or Thursday night, I had six bucks in the corn, which got me really pumped up to go see it Saturday afternoon. But I had, I mean, all in all, I probably had about eight new bucks show up this week. Yeah, that's and, exciting. Yeah, and they were, I mean, nothing crazy. The, that eight-pointer was the biggest one, but definitely uh you had definitely. a couple of decent seven pointers yeah, got a good a seven, nice six point yeah so i mean i got anywhere anything from a tiny little spike to up to that big eight pointer and i got a bunch of them and they was in there really consistently every morning and afternoon hardly any pictures in nighttime again still all in daylight which is still crazy yeah but so that was my cam check so what about you what'd you get well my camera that i had messing up well i thought it was a card issue and i went back and see thursday yeah because i wanted to check thursday because opening day was saturday yesterday and so i went in thursday after work ran in there just real quick to you know swap cards and stuff and my main camera i for some reason it didn't stay on in my main spot so that was a week well what five days that i didn't get any pictures there absolutely none um and then where the camera was on the acorn uh ridge it it took like not even a full 24 hours of pictures and then cut off again so i don't know so you have some camera issues this year yeah i'm having some camera (laughs) issues but i did i mean needless to say i do i did get I think I got a new buck on camera. You was did, that you, this week? Yeah, you did was. Yeah, I got an eight-pointer, almost about the same size yep. of the one that you got on camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was hard-horned as well. Um, there's a little basket rack, eight-pointer. It's still in velvet. He's still over there at that acorn region. Now, um, I checked my back camera, which that's the camera that's kind of near bedding area that I, I usually don't check, but like every two weeks, really. And so... It had been two weeks, so I went back there and grabbed that card. And, I mean, I think I had, like, 200 pictures on it because there's no bait back there. Yeah. But I had, like, 200 pictures on it through two weeks. And 
the tall and tight buck was back there one night i think it was or one early morning something like that but it was dark and you know just some a couple of small bucks and does and yeah. stuff like that in there so still not much going on over. No. i mean you got some bucks that's a good sign yeah. so that can't still, get discouraged yeah, just nothing shooter wise yeah to but. me from from my area for my land i don't have a shooter still i still have that one that's as he's that tall and tight buck man he's gonna be if he can make it through he'll be a dandy next year he'll absolutely. be bigger than the tall and tight one you killed last year absolutely because he's close to that big this year yeah. i think i think he's probably like 120 yeah but he's really he's really tight he's in, he's like maybe as wide as his ears but he's tall and so we posted that on social media so yep, if you haven't yep, seen that's that right. picture both both of those oh, yeah bucks. both of the deer we've we've got going on so are you getting discouraged yet with these cam checks i know it's yeah. hard not i mean hard not to get discouraged when you're checking cameras four or five weeks before the season and nothing's going on so yeah um i i i am yes yeah because i know what the potential is there i know about three different bucks that made it last year that I probably would have shot last year that I got pictures of after season last year mm. that if they show back up, they're going to be good. And then that 2020 crazy funky buck, I don't know if he got shot or what because I had him at the beginning of last year, but I never heard of anybody shooting it. I'm, I'm That's the one that I'm like most wanting to show back up just to yeah. see what he's going to be like because he was crazy looking last year. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, I'm discouraged, but at the same time, I know just from last year that October That's is when time. my bucks start, my bigger deer start showing up. So, plus, I mean, you got some differences this year, too. I mean, I'm running five cameras on around 100 acres. Mm-hmm. There's a good chance that there's a buck running around that, that, that I'm not even getting. There's three, last year in the three big fields that are, the crop fields they didn't have anything planted last year this year they're all planted in corn so they're standing corn yeah. in all those fields and that and i knew you know knowing that the corn was going to be planted this year i knew that was going to throw a wrench in things you know not in a bad way but it was going to make things a little bit different and so that's another thing you know like i don't know how that's really affecting the deer so far yeah it's only and stuff like year that so that's the bad thing about cameras. Cameras are an awesome tool, but it also can get you discouraged very quickly when you're not getting pictures of something you want to shoot. But it's still early. We literally are just two days into the season. So. Yeah. Well, um, what about your opening day? So you know, tell me yeah, about it. So I went. I hunted yesterday afternoon. I didn't go in the morning. Um, it's just one thing that I'm actually trying to not do as much this year, go in the morning, early season. I'm going to try and just leave the morning. Although my next sit's probably going to be a morning sit. Um, just because it's going to work out better, I think, and with temperatures. But um, I went yes went yesterday afternoon, and mainly I went in the afternoon too because that was when the deer were showing up. They were showing up in the afternoon when I checked the camera on Friday. So we sat out there, got out there, got out there late because my wife was working. So I had my buddy that works with me. We went out there, and his wife kept my son. So we got out there about 5:30, which was about right on time because the buck the first buck showed up at 6:13, and it was just a little three pointer. Uh, little basket rack three-pointers beautiful little deer and he sat out there and ate corn for 25 minutes and then he bedded down literally 10 yards in front of the blind it was the coolest thing i've ever seen because i've never had a deer bed down 
right in front of me. Um, oh, I, you haven't? No, not like that. And I died laughing. Like we were, we were <laughs> it just was weird because I was like, "What the heck is this dude doing?" <laughs> and then he, he only bedded down for like three minutes, and then a doe and a fawn came in and got him back up on his feet. And so they just they grazed around. They, they doe and fawn walked ten yards in front of us to get to the corn as well. And then they they all stayed in there for about forty five minutes. And then right at dark, the doe and fawn worked off, and the buck was still there. And then right at dark. Uh, one of the Baskerac six-pointers came in, pretty, pretty young little deer, still in velvet. And him, the, the two bucks were just eating corn and then sat there for an hour and 45 minutes. And then I heard the does behind us. I knew they were right behind the blind. I was, and I, so I tapped my buddy. I was like, they were right behind us. And they stopped moving. So I peeked out the right window to see if I could see them. And I guess the little baby saw my saw my shadow. Like, because I have the mesh up on the side of the blind. Yeah. So you, they couldn't really see in there, but she saw my head. Because I have both side windows open, mm. and so I guess I blocked some light, and she blew at me. Cause she was literally standing two feet outside of the blind, <laughs> and so the mom and baby took off, but the bucks took off too, but they only ran like 10 feet, and then they stopped, and they come right back to the corn, and I ended up having to, I grunted to get them to go away at nighttime because it got too dark, couldn't shoot anyways. Yeah. I wasn't about to stay out there until 9.30, so I grunted. I was figured that would be the best way, kind of sound like a deer and get them gone, so they, they did blow at me, but it was opening day, but it was a good sit. It was yeah wasn't exciting. as action-packed as i thought it was going to be but still having four in deer in there for an hour and 45 minutes was was a lot of fun my butt was hurting <laughs> sitting there not moving because my blind's only 22 yards away from the corn pile but it wasn't a bad sit and i was honestly probably one of the best opening day sits i've ever had because i've never seen a buck on opening day that was the first time i've ever seen a buck on opening day and that's the first time i well not the first time i've ever seen a velvet deer because two years ago i saw that one eight pointer that i scared within two seconds of seeing it but first time i really got to watch a velvet buck so that was cool yeah but what about you you went yesterday afternoon yeah i went yesterday afternoon and i sat in the i mean honestly the wind was absolutely perfect for that new lock-on that i'd put up in that cedar tree and uh in that little field which is like my best spot on the on the farm that i got but that's also where i haven't got pictures for an entire week because that camera for some reason isn't working right but anyways um now i went i seen one doe and i could see her so i have this one limb that kind of comes out to the end of the field like it's right in front of me but it kind of blocks the end of the field and i, I had to stand up because i need to move that stand around because there's a limb that i cut and it's jabbing in my mm. back and so i have like i gotta sit on wonky so it doesn't like jab into my back and so every little bit i would just kind of stand up and while i was standing up and all of a sudden i was like i got a call and so i'm like looking around looking around and like i'm trying to like reach for my water bottle and all this and a cough i mean it really wasn't that loud but like a cough just kind of lightly came out and i was like oh crap i grabbed my water bottle took a drink and i looked back like down the field kind of through that limb and there was a doe down there and she was looking around she couldn't figure out where it came from but she was looking around and i was like are you kidding me like <laughs> really and after she stood there for like a minute looking around she just kind of turned around and hopped off she didn't even like blow or nothing like that so but that was the only deer i seen now granted for some reason there was somebody like not far away from me that thought that it was national shoot your gun day <laughs> that and happens. like i don't even know how you can afford to shoot that many yeah. times right now but 
I'm talking about all calibers. You could tell pistol, 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 AR, AR, some kind of bigger rifle. He shot quite a few times, and then you'd hear like a 22. I could even hear it pinging off of uh, plates. Yeah. You know, you'd, you'd hear it shoot, and then you'd hear ping, and all that. But that was going on, which, I mean, granted, it probably really didn't hurt me, but at the same time, it's still kind of annoying. It's annoying to listen yeah. to it. It always happens. Just If you hunt on a Saturday, you're going to hear gunshots all day. Just, just have. I mean, I'm right. I'm literally right across the road from a gun, gun range. range. So yeah, hear gunshots yeah, yeah. all the time. Just didn't hear many yesterday, but no. So that was not the great. I mean, I had a pretty good opening day. I was happy with it, but I really thought I was going to kill. We were going to kill something yesterday because the guy that was hunting with me, I told him he could shoot whatever. I mean, yeah, but because he never killed yeah, anything. He's never. He's never. He's, never, he's never shot. I never bow hunted, and mm-hmm. so he was using my bow. We practiced a whole bunch. You know. uh thursday friday and saturday so he could get comfortable with it and he's actually shooting really good so we're like we're gonna do it so i told him he could shoot whatever but i also told him i was like look i said you might want to pass some of these littler bucks just because there's a good chance a decent one's gonna come in there yeah and so that's what we were waiting on was one of those he probably would have taken that six pointer if he would ever give him a shot but it came in right at last light and yeah it was the three pointer was running him out of the corn so he never really stood still long enough but that was a good day i was i was pumped about it got, got my got my hopes high for this season so hopefully it stays like that oh Let's dive into like our details of our of our gear. This is our gear for our early season, basically for bow season. Um, you know, it's hot weather here in North Carolina. I mean, it was what eighty two yesterday, yeah. something like that, something. which was actually really cooler. Cool day. It's probably one of the coolest opening days I've ever had. Yeah, because t- like today was ninety one, yeah. and it's yeah. supposed to be in the nineties for the next like two weeks. I'm not real excited. I don't even Did, know if I'm gonna go to be honest we with you. Dive into the gear though. Did any, did any, I mean, obviously you didn't have a great hunt yesterday, but have, are you changing your tactics from, from your one sit? Have you decided oh, to, yeah. to do anything different? What are, what's your game plan going um, into the season real quick? You know, I don't think so. <laughs> didn't think so. Yeah, I, I mean, because I didn't have changed. enough really go on. Like, I mean, that doe where she came from, I wasn't surprised that she came from there because um, there is a bedding area over that way, you know. Um, so, no. Yeah, I, you, I, I, I don't think so. Not for me. Not like yet, like I least. said, I didn't have enough. Yeah, I didn't, didn't get enough info to be like, I need to change and yeah. move to here or move my stand placement or anything. Well, I'll, I need to move my stand yeah, so you in the tree yeah, so, it ain't so it's not jabbing me in the back. Okay. <laughs> what about you? So, yeah, I don't think I changed. Like, I'm obviously not going to change where my setup's at. I like where I'm at, the deer coming in there, and it's a really good setup. Uh, what I did notice is I was expecting all of the deer to come from the right, more or less, and all of the bucks came directly from the creek. So they still might have came from the right, um, but they they directly came straight from the creek, both of them. And then the does, which, which kind of... Wait, wait, so, but that's straight in front of your straight blind. Straight in front of me, yes. Yeah, so, so if you're good. looking straight out in yeah. front of your blind, that's where they yeah, came from. Yeah, they walked from. straight in. But I was expecting them to come from the right because that's where the main bedding area is on my side of the creek. But they either came from across the creek or they came from that bedding area and just kind of circled in. Walked the creek down. Yeah. yeah. And then the doe and fawn literally came from behind us, which was not expected at all. So I kind of expected it because that's, that's where the – if I had to guess, this is probably the same mama doe that had the twins last year that I saw every hunt. And I saw them up on the, the oak ridge. And they would come from the bottom down in there, so they would come basically from the house, and so that's where these came from. So if I had to guess, it might be that same mama. She just lives. She just lives yeah. in my woods, and so it kind of surprised me at first. But I still don't think that's going to change my tactic at all because it didn't. It didn't mess up the hunt. I mean, she did. She walked real close to the. Well, you had to a great wind yesterday. Yeah, too. I did. It was a perfect south 
southeast wind or yep. southwest wind, yep. uh, which means it was blowing straight back behind us, which I was surprised that mom, doe, and fawn literally got behind us and didn't didn't get on us. But that's one thing, too, I love about a blind is a lot of times, like, it wasn't a heavy wind yesterday. Like, I didn't yeah. hardly see it. So if there's not a heavy wind, you're blind. It'll usually conceal you a little bit better than not having a blind. But what I did think I'm going to change, though, is I want to try and get a lock on. There's an old tree down there that's got a stand that somebody built. I want to try a long time ago. Yeah, and I want to try and get a lock on on that tree, and it would be relatively close to my corn pile. It'd probably be a fifteen yard shot, but I want to get up, you know, fifteen feet up in the tree, and that way too, if they do come from that behind me or you know up towards the house, I can see them, and I'll be able to hunting out of the tree is a little bit easier than hunting out of a blind. Well, I, that's not, why I'm not I, high level with them. Well, and I hate hunting out of a blind because it it you only can see what's in front of you or on yeah, the sides not even really 180 degrees no. 180 degrees really isn't even you really can't see yeah. 180 degrees yeah. it's more like 150 yeah you know from side to side and so you, yeah. you're losing a lot of visual yeah and behind you and everything so i want to kind of maybe try and put a lock on which I, i'm not very good at hunting out of lock-ons but i've been doing some research today about lock-ons that i could sit comfortably in with having spider bifida and being not feeling like i'm gonna fall out and so i think there's some out there that i could buy I'm going to look into that. But another reason for it is, too, for wind direction. Because right now where my blind's at, I literally have to have a southwest, southeast, or a straight south wind. Yeah, to hunt something it. from the south. But if I hunt, if I get it up in that tree, I can hunt a almost a northeast wind. A west, I mean, a mm-hmm. northwest wind, not east. A northwest wind, a west wind, or a southwest wind. It'll yeah. be perfect for the westerly winds because it'll yeah, be blowing behind you. So yeah. that's my other thought with it, too, is give me a little bit more... Because when the cold start front starts pushing in, they're going to be a lot of times coming in from the northwest. Mm-hmm. And I want to be able to have be yeah, the to wind. Those days, the yeah. wind will be coming yeah. from the north. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's my goal there. But now we can move into the setups. and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, brother, you're the bow man. You love I'm, bows and stuff. Yeah, I'm a big archery fanatic. Yeah, so let's go over your bow setup. Okay. So I'm, I shoot a Hoyt 30. Hoyt Spider 30, which is a 2013 model Hoyt. It's an older boat. I didn't realize how old it was until I started talking about it the other day. I'm like, dang, this thing's eight years old almost, (laughs) seven years old, eight years old. Um, But bow to me, like, I don't think it's, you can have the newest of the new bows or you can hunt with a bow from the 1990s. That's not the most important part of of your setup. Um, I I shoot a four-pin sight. It's it's called, it's a dead ringer. Uh, Bone Collector came out. They partnered up with Dead Ringer a couple years ago, and they came out with these sites because Dead Ringer is a pistol sight company. But they come out with bow sights for bow, uh, for Bone Collector, and I got the it's a $80 wheel sight. It's called the wheel, and what it is, it's a four-pin sight, but you can also use your last pin as a floater. So if you have it set 20, 30, 40, 50, you can have sight tapes and everything where you can shoot 50 to 100 you know, for that with that last pin, which is why I got it because not for hunting. I'm not ever going to shoot a deer at 100, but I love to practice out far. Mm. And then... My rest that I use is uh, QAD. It's one of their drop-away rests. I don't know the exact model of it. Um, it's the, I don't even know the name. I think it's like the Hunter Elite or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a drop-away. I love a drop-away rest, um, but it's full almost, almost a full containment style. It's not quite a full containment, but it's got the two fingers that stick up, and you can you put it up in the up position, and it stays in the up position until you shoot your bow, and I like that, so my arrow's not bouncing around on the, the rest there. And then my stabilizer is just a 12-inch AAE hot rod, just a carbon bar with three-ounce weights on the end of it and a little bit of rubber. And then I'm shooting uh, Beeman 400 
spline arrows, which I was going to try and shoot some heavier arrows this year, but those beamings just shoot so good out of my bow. And they're uh, 8.1 grain per inch. I think they, I don't know the weight of my arrows because I don't have a thing to weigh them, but if I had to guess, they're probably right around the 375 to 400 grain. I have shoot 100 grain broadheads. They're the G5 Havocs, uh, two, two blade expandables. And that's about it. I think for my bow. I mean, it's just, what, what release do you have? Oh, yeah. I shoot a true ball thumb style release. Now, that's going to be... Most people don't hunt with the thumb style release. It's not the uh, back tension release, but it's just a, it's a thumb button. And I found... I started shooting with one of those probably five years ago. And I used to just shoot with the wrist strap release, just a cheaper one that I've you know, used. And I started... I used, borrowed my buddy's true ball thumb release, and it uh, tightened my groups up at 60 yards because that's where we were shooting practicing one day. And I could shoot them inside of a softball. So I was like, dang... So I bought me one, and the only drawback is there's no way to, like, attach it to your wrist. So there's been a couple of times when I've been practicing, and my bow will jump forward, and I'll sling it across the yard. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like, I'll, I clip it on my bow, and it stays on my bow the whole time. So when I'm walking to the woods, I don't have to worry about where's my release at. But if you bump up against something, it could fall off. So sometimes I'll try and stick it in a bag. But I had not had that happen yet. Now that I've said it, it probably will next time I go to hunt and lose it in the woods. <laughs> but, yeah, I like the thumb style just because it, it's more natural to me to use your thumb it's less movement, in my opinion, to use your thumb to hit that button than it is to use your pointer or your middle finger. So that, I think that's all for my bow setup. I gotcha. I did put a new string on it two years ago, so I got it. It's not the factory string on the Hoyt. It's a America's Best Bow String. I'm a huge fan of America's Best Bow String. It's my second one I've used on some bows, and it's a it's a really good string. And you can literally order them offline for your bow and take it to a bow shop. And it costs like 120 bucks total. Yeah, that ain't bad. And I got to pick my colors and everything, so <laughs> <laughs> that's always fun. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, my bow is a PSC 3G Stinger. Um, I bought it, what, nine years yeah, ago? Nine years ago. Brand new. Um, and it was before, because you used to be able to get the 3G Stinger in a, in a ready-to-hunt package. Yep. But I bought this bow. When before it first came out. yeah when it literally first came out i bought it because i'm a pse fan yeah. I, I i had my first bow was a pse the bow after that i had was old pse and so i just have stuck with pse because i like it but so i bought that bow and put a bunch of stuff on it you know because i bought it bare and everything and but now i have a apache drop away um rest um, the same thing as Bradley. I love the drop away, but mine, mine won't stay up though. No, yours mine, isn't. yeah, mine. But yours is full containment, so your arrow is in a little box, so it don't, it can't flop off. Yes, that, so is, that is true. That's a good yep, thing about yep, that. Yep. Um, and then I have a Trophy Ridge five pin. I think it was like, I actually think it, it was one of the more expensive Trophy Ridge. It was like one hundred twenty dollars, but it's five pin. I like shooting the five pin because you can squeeze your pins down. Cause, and I also, here's another thing that I really like, um, quick tip. Smaller the pin, the more it doesn't cover up what you're trying to shoot on your yeah. target when you're looking through your peep sight. If you have a bigger pin, it's going to cover up more. Mm-hmm. The glow of it, like even when it's just sunny, but the glow of it will actually take up more. Oh, in your, Definitely yeah. when you get out farther distances. Exactly. Most hunting, I mean, if you buy some cheaper, cheaper sites, it's going to come with a really big pen. Exactly. But you want to buy, I think, like the, the standard hunting size is like 0.15 or something like that. Yeah. 
Um, you can buy some point one zeros, which are amazing. I've shot with yeah. some before, but they are expensive to buy sites. That, really? When you're getting $300 for a site Ooh. when you start getting in pins like that. But I like the, like I was saying, I like the five pin because I can crunch them down. And I literally shoot my top pins 20 and my next pins 30, 40, 50. And then I don't really shoot past 50, so I don't even know. What my, my last pin literally is down yeah, way below way it way because I don't ever use it. But um, I have a fuse stabilizer. It's just a rubber stabilizer. It's short and it's not, but like maybe five inches, six yeah, inches maybe. More for just the vibration dampening. Yeah, exactly. Um, I have a Scott release that I bought when I bought my bow, and I absolutely love yeah, that. Thing. I shot with the Scott before I got the True Ball. The thump, I got a finger style Scott when I don't know where it's at now, but it was, those are, I love Scott. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's great. And it's got, what I like about it too, it's not Velcro. Yeah. It's, it's a, got a buckle. Yeah, that's how mine Like was. a belt. It's just way like a better belt. than a mm-hmm. belt Velcro. Those Velcro ones, even when you like, you get them on your wrist and you try and draw back, it still makes noise. Yeah. Um, I'm shooting uh, beaming arrows, um, 360 spline, uh, 29 and a half inch is what I'm shooting, which is a little bit longer than probably what most people would say, but I actually don't mind the longer arrow. Um, and that's one thing too that a lot of people don't know. You can go too short. Yeah. For an arrow. But you can't go too long. Like I mean, obviously, you don't want that thing sticking out two foot. Yeah, but, you know, um, and I actually like the little bit longer arrow. The one thing with the longer arrows, too, is it's a very easy way to add weight to your arrow Mm -hmm. without having to add inserts and stuff like that. So if you go four inches past the front of your riser, I mean, you're getting, you know, my arrows are 8.1 grains or probably 9 grains or something like that. So you're getting four times 9, 30 grains of extra weight on the front Mm -hmm. of that arrow. And then this year, um, I switched up to fixed blades. I'm shooting the G2 Striker V2s. Um, they're 100 grains, um, you know, three blade. And, you know, not for any particular reason. I've never really had a bad experience with um, a mechanical. But it was just one of them things was like, why risk it? Yeah. I know that, I mean, people have been shooting fixed blades for since the Indians, yeah, that's what they <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying. So, I've, I've kind of switched over to that. Um, and with the fixed blades nowadays, I mean, they fly just as good as the. Oh yeah, because we remember we shot. Yeah. One that was, of them. That was why I originally switched was because I couldn't get a fixed blade to shot fly straight, which was probably bow tuning issues and stuff, and I didn't know what I was doing back then. So I switched to expandables because I was like, it's gonna fly good, and they did. But I just haven't switched back. I almost did this year because I was gonna do an arrow build this year where I tried to get over 500 grains and stuff, but. I was just like, I'm not going to do it this year. I didn't have quite the money to do it. And I was just like, I'm just going to go with what I got. I got everything I need. So that oh, was why yeah. I did it. But back to the sites real quick. Oh, so yeah. So I used to hunt. So up in, so t- I bought this, the four-pin wheel site two, two or three years ago. And I hunted with it for two years. Killed my deer, my good buck that I killed with my bow with it. And then last year, I switched back to my pendulum site. I got an HHA optimizer light. Mm-hmm. And I switched back to that. And the reason I did that was because I know my shot was going to be 20, 25 yards. And so I was like, I'm going to switch back to this. It'll take away all my pin clutter and I'll have it. Well, I found out very quickly that, like, although your corn pile is at 20 yards, uh, you can shoot. I mean, you're going to have opportunities to shoot here and they'll come behind you or, you know, they'll mm-hmm. circle the corn. They won't even come. And even last night, I mean, if I would if we would have shot that six pointer, he was never in the corn pile. He would have been thirty yards. Yeah. And so I would have had to adjust my pin. So that was why I, I did away with that this year. I was like, I'm going back to the four pin, so I, I know I can. I don't have to move and add an extra moving part in there. Oh yeah. Um, my string is. It's it wasn't the one that came on it when I bought that bow. I made them put a um, 
I didn't make them, but I asked them to put on a uh, on a on a different string because the string that was on it was just black, and I wanted a red and black one because it matches the bow then. And so I got a um, you know aftermarket string on there, but that's still the original string. And I, I mean, I've shot probably a couple thousand arrows off of that thing. It's and still in really good shape. It like, is. I mean, I could probably use to buy a new string. I'm going to definitely probably do it next year because it's got some fade to it and stuff. But but here's another tip. Put wax on yeah. your string. I'll wax my string. Like, anytime, whenever I take it out to practice, I'll wax it before I practice. And that I, I think that that is helpful. Oh, it does. It saves a string from waxing them. Well, let's do... From the bow setups, let's do this. Um, like, what, what, what is the farthest that you feel comfortable with shooting a deer? Okay. So, two years ago, I told you forty-five yards, and I practiced. I mean, I always practiced out to fifty then, um, and I still practice out far a lot of days. But my, I've shrunk that in a lot. Uh, my furthest that I would take a shot on a deer is thirty-five yards. Yeah. And. My reasoning for that is, one, less to go wrong in 35 yards. I mean, once you get out past 30, 35, I mean, you, you're going to string jump you. Yeah. And, I mean, they'll jump you at 15 yards. So, I mean, you only make the chance greater Real quick, at 30. Real quick, crazy thing. So, uh, last year, me and a few of my buddies, we were shooting bow together. And um, two of them had, like, brand-new uh, primes and, you know, shooting – 340 yeah. feet per second you know fast bows right and we were talking about it i mean my bow probably might shoot 300 maybe yeah. you know what i'm saying but um we were talking about uh deer jumping a string and stuff and one of my buddies was like check this out and you know and so what i did is i stood to obviously to the side yeah with my back turned and he shot at 30 yards um you know kind of past me I mean, I was a safe distance yeah. away, you know, so y'all don't freak out. But <laughs> so I had my back turned and he said, when I shoot, he said, when you hear it, try to turn around or uh, no, we did clap. So you sat there with your hands like this, with your back turned. And as soon as you hear the shot, see if you can clap. And I mean, he was shooting at like 30 yards. I could, as a human, could clap before it hit the target. Yeah. So just think about that deer. Yeah, they were tuned into that even more. And yeah. So that, that was the main reason why I decided to not shoot far. I mean, and the thing, too, is as you get further out, bows are so quiet. That, I mean, you're shooting 40, 45 yards. You, you have probably a little bit less of a chance because they're not going to hear it as well. But they'll still hear it. And so they just, they're going to, their first reaction is drop down. Well, and the other thing is, is you didn't even hear the bow. Yeah, you heard it the wasn't, arrow. Because you heard the bow almost after the arrow hit. Yep is when you heard like the th- yeah. or the uh, or so the thwap of the you hear the, the zoom of the arrow that's what you yeah. hear you hear all of a sudden you'll hear like a i don't even know how to explain it but i'm not going to tell y'all to try this at home because mm-hmm. anyways but you actually can hear the arrow before you hear anything else you hear that of the arrow so they're drunk. Their arrow jump. The and arrow I'm not ducking, even. And it's not, not even like jumping. he's shooting like five yards yeah. beside me. Like I'm standing like a good twenty yards to the side of where he's shooting, and you know to because I you know yeah, obviously to be yeah. safe, and you literally could hear the arrow before you hear that. So you clap and it's like 
and then boom, and it, it hits is. the target. Like it's all like real. I mean, it's a whole lot yeah. quicker than what I'm saying it is. But it was like you boom, beat, boom, boom. You could beat there. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that that's the main reason why I, I dropped it back to 35 last year and decided I wasn't shooting past 35. Um, but that's that's mainly I'll stick it out. I shoot. I mean, honestly, it's probably going to be more like 30 yards. But I practice at 30 and 35. It's the only two yardages I really practice at. I'll shoot at 15, 20, and 25 just to double check everything, make sure I'm still good. And if I'm if I'm at 30 yards and my arrows are shooting high and right, first thing I do before I move anything is I drop back to 15 and say, okay, I know it's not going to be as exaggerated at 15, but can I hit the dead center of the target where I'm aiming at 15? And if I can, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try again at 30. Because I had to do that the other day. I went to shoot mm-hmm. my bow on Friday, and I was – shooting way high and right at 30 yards moved back to 15 drilled the center twice moved back to 30 and i was drilling the center again so it was in, it was something Technique. in my mechanics yeah and so it was just but I, I mainly practice at 30 and 35 just because if you can shoot at 30 and 35 and your pins are on your you can shoot at 15 20 or 25 yeah i feel i feel comfortable i would say my max is 40 mm-hmm. yards but in saying that it would have to be an absolute perfect, perfect situation for me to say all right i'm gonna try to shoot this deer at 40 yards i mean he'd have to not know or i say he but it would have to not know not have any idea that i was there not have anything else he can't be jumpy trying to walk in into you know range or whatever like just he would have to be perfectly broad side i mean it would all have to line up perfect for me to yeah to take a 40 yard shot now I practice all the way out to 50, yeah. but I, I would not take a 50-yard yeah. shot. See, I, a couple of years ago, all I practiced was 50 and 60, and that was the two years ago when I had my, my setup that I had. My corn was 40 yards away, and the reason that was is because I moved my stand 20 yards back, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to move my corn pile. So I practiced out to 50 and 60 so I could make that 40-yard shot. But looking back on it, I'm glad I never had to make that shot. And I, I haven't practiced out to 60 this year. I practiced out to 50 a couple times, but – that's my, that's one thing that my dad's cousin told me a long, long time ago. He probably doesn't remember telling me. But he said, don't practice at your short distances. Practice at your yeah, max distance. It makes the short yeah. distances way easier. Way easier. That's, you want to shoot them still. I mean, obviously, yeah. you want to make sure your bow is still good and shooting straight at that distance. But when you're practicing, focus on the top of your range, even mm-hmm. maybe a little further, and just really hone that in. Like when I was shooting uh, target archery a lot, 3D tournaments and stuff, I mean, me and the when I started shooting that, thumb release we were shooting 60 or greater we never yeah. practiced below 60 and then we'd go to shoot a tournament and i'm shooting in the hunter class at my farthest shot's 35 yards yeah so and i mean i won a tournament that year by doing that just because it makes you so much better and really pay because everything's same with a rifle i mean it's going to be drastic change at greater distance but it's way more like that with a bow like if you make one little jerk or something's oh, yeah. wrong i mean it's three inches at the target at um, 60. well and that basically i'm my when i go to like when i go out here in the yard to shoot i, I shoot at 20 30 40 50 shoot another group at 50 and then an, another group at 40 and if if while i'm backing up going 250 if it starts getting bad i do like like what you did i drop back down and i try to go all the way out to where i am basically a softball yep. if i can get a softball at 50 i'm pretty happy yeah and then Here's another thing. If you go out shooting and because I've done this several times, you're you're jerky, you're not shooting good, put your bow put down. your bow away. Don't shoot. Because you'll pick up bad habits. Yeah. Trying to fix it. 
like that's that's one thing that I'm I'm pretty adamant about. If I go out there, even because you can even feel it at twenty, if yeah. you pull up there and you're like, God, dog, you might still hit that center target at twenty, but you're like, man, I'm shaky. Yeah. Move back to thirty, and next thing you know, you're six inches to the yeah. left. It's like whoop, burp. yeah, Put you know. That, and one thing too, when you're practicing, when you start getting tired, like with me, I pull a, one thing. Yeah, with my bow, I shoot a seventy pound bow. And I never shot 70 pounds until I got this Hoyt because it's 60, 70 limbs. I usually shoot 60. But when I dropped this Hoyt down to 60, it was vibrating as heck. So I was like, forget this. I'm going to shoot 70 because I could pull it back. But when I first started shooting, I could shoot three groups with four arrows. And then I was dead tired. And everything after that was just wacky. So I was like, forget it. So I would shoot my three groups and then I'd be done for the day. I've gotten to the point now where I can probably shoot three hours and it not bother me as much because I've shot that bow all the time. But that's the thing. When you start getting tired, put your bow down and say, all right, I'm good for the day. I've got my practice in. Come back. Even, I mean, if you want to come back a couple hours later when you're not tired, but as soon as you start getting tired, I mean, you'll start messing yeah. up your mechanics. And that's the thing with bows. Like, you got to have the same draw, the mm-hmm. same – got to have the same anchor points. Everything's got to line up just right, and you want to do that consistently. Because, I mean, same with people who shoot long range with a rifle. Everything's got to be exactly the same yep. to hit that target exactly the same every Muscle time. memory. Yeah. And, well, and another thing that I do is I only shoot three arrows when I'm practicing. Yep. Because now. it gives me a, time, to a time to rest to go fetch the arrows. Yeah, I got a whole lot yeah. more walking and stuff like that. But it gives me that time to rest and go back. And then, also, I told you, you know, I do the 20, 30, 40, 50, 50, 50, 40. That's how I like to shoot. Now, then I, I a lot of times will go back to a 20 at the very end to end it out on something yeah. like really good, you yeah. know. Like, put them in there touching. Yep. But what I also will do when I'm all done is I'll just pick a spot, you know, I mean, I pretty much know the yardages because I've shot it so much now, what, like 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 yards. Mm-hmm. But I'll just go, like, walk out to a spot that I know is kind of, like, in between. Yep, and shoot it. Range it real quick and shoot it because you have to, um, what's it called? Uh, dang. Where you got to, yeah, you, uh, you have to, you know what I'm talking about. Where you, you have to you set your pin higher than where you're, exactly, like, you yeah. higher than where you're supposed to. to you're not actually, like, is. at 30 yards, yeah. I take my 30-yard pin, put it dead center yeah. of where I'm trying to hit. You're and aiming shoot. between two pins. Yeah, exactly. Right. And because what's the chance that deer's going to be 20, yeah. 30, 40? Or, I mean, unless he's in your corn pile that you know is 22 yards away or 20. My, my corn pile is 22 yards away. It's not even mm-hmm. on a dead number. Mine's but, 28. Yeah. I arranged so, it yesterday. That's the... But what I, I do the same thing. I, I, half the time, I don't even shoot from. I have stakes in my yard. Half the time, I don't even shoot from the stakes. I literally yeah. just go set my stool up somewhere between the stakes or just anywhere. And I'll shoot left and right of the target, too, not straight on the target. Yes, and that's half the time, I don't too. even use my range finder. And the reason for that is because sometimes the deer will come in and you don't get a chance to range no, them. So no. you just got to guess it. And so I try and get good at picking it. And what I'll do is I'll look at the target. I'm like, okay, that's a 23-yard shot, and I'll shoot it for 23 yards. Which luckily with my bow being 70 pounds and what it is, my pin from 15 to 25 is one pin. Yeah. And then 30 and 35 is one pin. So it's a lot easier. But when you get some of those bows, 60, 55, 60 pounds, I mean, you it's a pretty big mm-hmm. gap, and you're definitely having to gap those pins. I don't even know what my – weight is probably 60 65 somewhere in there that's probably what i figured something like that but um let's go to the next one um okay what kind of cameras do you run so i run moultries is the the main ones that i run um right now i've only got one camera it's a moultrie Mm -hmm. but i had two moultries and one of them died last year um i have used wild game innovation the cheaper camera you can get mm-hmm. 40 50 bucks which actually the newer ones take really good pictures they just mm-hmm. don't last very long 
Um, so I've stuck with Moultrie, and the one that I got now is a A12, A14, I think is what it is, 14 megapixel, mm-hmm. and it's I've had it for six years, and still taking excellent pictures. You've had that camera for six years. Yeah. Dang. Um, I run. I have three wild game uh, rates, which I got two of them last year and one the year before, and they're you know seventy eighty dollar range somewhere in there. Um, which they're giving me problems now, but. I've ran mostly wild games. Yeah, they're good. They're Dude, good cameras. I mean, and definitely for the price. I mean, here's my thing: if you get a camera for less than a hundred dollars and it lasts you two years, yeah, you're doing you're something. doing all right. Yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying. I also though, so here's a kicker. Here's a little tip um, for cameras. Um, for if you hunt private land or if you hunt public land, Walmart sells Tasco cameras. They're thirty dollars. They take okay pictures they're nothing great but they i mean they're infrared they don't even flash but there's they're infrared and they're 30 dollars. and i have two of those and i've had those cameras now this is the third year i've had them um you know if you're worried about a camera getting stolen it's the way to go it's a good camera to, to do um if you're just want a cheap camera to just find out if something's moving through an area which is where i put these two cameras um, they're kind of on not really stand location spots. They're more on let's see what's passing through right here, um, because you know if they mess up, it's not really hurting me that bad. But like I said, they're thirty dollars. Yeah. And I'm still running them after three years. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. You know, I mean, I don't have any complaints about them. I mean, like I said, the pictures aren't great. They're okay. I mean, you can tell what's standing yeah. there. That's you know, all that but really matters. I mean, for the for just somebody that just needs to get into a camera quick. Yeah, just that's the way. Or to if you don't have a camera and you're just starting out. Yeah, don't go spend one hundred fifty dollars. No, you don't need it. I did now. Yeah, just I it. did just buy a cell camera. Um, that's ordered. It should be here this week. Um, and I bought a Bushnell. What is it? A Cellucor. Um, and it's a twenty uh, megapixel camera. And it, it's going to send them to my phone. Um, and it was $100 at Bass Pro Shops right now. Plus, on Bass Pro Shops, they have a $15 mail-in rebate for it, too. So I'm going to get that for 85 bucks. Yeah. So I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah, I've never ran a cell camera. Yeah, I'm excited to see how that turns out for you because I've been thinking about it. But like I was telling you, too, it's like I have one camera. There's I don't really have a need for another one on my property at the moment. I might come up with a need throughout the season because I tend to do that a lot. But... And well, I'm going to put corn out at that camera anyway, so I might as well just grab a car. So that's why I haven't done it yet. But One thing that we learned with your property, was it two years ago when we both were hunting on it? With it being a small, you could totally put three cameras yeah. and still probably miss deer. Oh, yeah. But the way that that property set up and how you have to get in there to yeah. check cameras beyond where you have your camera... You're going to be walking through everything. Yeah. And we learned that the hard way two years ago because yep. we were running three cameras. Yeah. So it, it might be good to get a cell camera, though, to put down closer to the creek or something like that and not touch it. Yeah. So I might, yeah. might look That's into that. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. I didn't think about that. I might look into that to like not put it on a bait pile or nothing just put it on a, a travel trail and see what's coming in from there because that's what i found out last year when i was hunting the deer completely changed what they were doing from the year me and you hunted to last mm-hmm. year but then this year they're back to doing about the exact same thing they did yeah that's what it year. sounds like so 
but it'll be nice to you know pick something up because there's still I mean where I'm hunting I'm hunting down close to the creek which is near the property line but to the left side of me there's still 300 yards probably uh, maybe more than that three to five hundred yards to the left I can go and then you know all the way back up to the house yeah so I mean there's still a lot of land over there that they could be cutting me off and you know not oh, coming yeah. to my corn pie so get a camera out there and not mess with it all year oh yeah um what um okay now let's dive into well what kind of blind do you have what kind of stands and stuff like that let's yeah. talk about that so i got a the blind right now all i got is blind and i mean i got an old buddy stand too that will be my rifle stand when i just need to get out there real quick and just sit on the edge of the woods um but i don't even know the brand of that it's just an old buddy stand that kelly's uncle gave me mm-hmm. or cousin so i mean it's old really really heavy um, but my blind is an Ameristep doghouse blind um, just a $70 blind. Before that, I had a nice Gander Mountain $200 triangle window blind. Yeah, um, that one was sweet. Yeah, and I hunted, and it was like a pop-up blind. So, I mean, you literally just pull the things out on each side, and it just pops right up like a tent, and it was fun to hunt out of. But this year this year and last year, hunt, hunting out of this doghouse blind, the windows are different. So my blind before had triangle windows on every side. Uh, so it didn't matter how you face the blind. It had three triangle windows and then this one literally just the windows fold down in front of you but yeah. they got two different sizes you can use a small one or you can use the big one where the whole front half of the yeah. blind folds down and for concealment it's not as well not as good because mm. but for shooting definitely shooting a bow um it's way easier because i found out very quickly in my trying the one that had triangle windows they would get in those spots in your blind spots and you couldn't shoot yeah. them, and it would drive me crazy so I like the doghouse blind for that reason, um, but it's not it's not like a heavy-duty blind, so, I mean, it probably will last me this year, maybe into next year if I'm lucky, um, but it's not not the, it's not the very thick. Like, my other blind was, I mean, that thing lasted seven or eight years, and I, I, I would use that as a mobile hunting setup a lot, too, so I was carrying yeah. it all over the place, and it still lasted that long. And this one, I don't do that because it's a lot harder to set up, but it's a it's pretty good, but I want to get into getting a, a lock on. I have no idea what brand I want to get, but I want to get one with a comfortable seat, one that I don't feel like I'm going to fall out of. Because when I hunt out of the ones you got, you know, it's just basically a 12 inch butt pad that you're sitting on. But as far as that, I mean, hunting on 20 acres, you can only have so much gear when it comes to stands and stuff like that. Um, and I prefer hunting out of a blind, just having spina bifida. It's easier for me to get in, it's a lot more comfortable. I can sit there for hours, even when I, had, I mean, last night when I had to sit for an hour and 45 minutes and not move, my butt fell asleep. but that was what kind of charity are you using there? Now I've got, I don't know what the brand is. I think it's a Mossy Oak brand, but it's like a, it's got a really thick cushion on it and it's like a fold down looking thing. Oh, yeah. Swivels. I got yeah. it out of a Walmart clearance section two years ago for 20 bucks. That was and a it's good like find. a $60 seat. Yeah, that was a good find. So that, but that, I love finding stuff yeah. like that. Well, I look in the clearance section every time over there. They had a bunch of turkey decoys in there today. Yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, I run, uh, I have. I have my, I actually have like three climbers. There's, they're all sitting in here. But I have my muddy climber. That's my favorite one. It's light. Um, it's it's like, what's that material that it's made out of? I don't even know. But it's like super light. It's just, it's the same material that make that Summit makes theirs. It's out probably of, out of like craft aluminum or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Definitely aluminum of some sort. Yeah. But, um, and it's got a swing seat in it. You know, that thing is so comfortable. Yeah, comfortable. I love that stand. And it's cables on the back. I love that. Like I said, it's super light. That's my favorite one. And then um, that actually is an old Summit right there. 
that's like one of the original summits, yeah. like from a long time ago. And then the other one is actually Austin's. Yeah. Which I don't even know what brand that is. I think it's a summit. No, it's no, because it's it's the heavy one. Oh yeah. That that it is then. Yeah, that one is like super heavy, but it's kind of it's like the Walmart. You could buy them at Walmart for like a hundred twenty dollars. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I used to have one just like it too. I mean, it, it works. Yeah. It's just super heavy mm-hmm. and makes a lot of noise. It's really loud when you're yeah. climbing. Like this muddy one that I have, it's so quiet. Yeah, like when something hits that metal and stuff like that. washers on and it's yeah. got that hard. Cabinet. I love that stand. Yeah. Like I would almost, I, I would 100% if, I would rather hunt out of that than anything else yeah. if I could. But, you know, you can't all the time. But that thing, I have fallen asleep in that thing. Oh, I don't doubt it. But. So that's my climber, and then I have two big game uh, lock-ons that I use, and then I have a big game 15-foot ladder stand that I use. Then my dad bought another stand that's actually it's got that seat that's sitting right there. That it swivels and everything. It's like a ladder stand. It's like a 18-foot. It's got like a big platform on. It's not a buddy stand. It's a single man stand, but it's like the size of a buddy stand. Yeah. It's almost like the top of a tripod. Yeah. That's what it looks yeah. like. But it's a ladder stand. That that stand's actually really comfortable too. Yeah, I bet it is. But um but as far as bow, I use the lock ons or my climber. Yeah. And I found hunting out of a buddy stand with the bow is about near impossible. Yeah, it's really hard. You got too many arm yeah. holes just all in the way. <laughs> yeah. You'll break a bow in a heartbeat. Oh yeah. Um I've actually <laughs> I hunted out of a buddy stand one time. Or I've hunted out of one a few times bow hunting. And I shot a deer out of one, and my cam actually hit the gun rest, and I watched sparks fly. That dude and that it worked with me. you at uh, I missed, of course. Yeah, <laughs> that dude that worked with you at Quality Equipment, he shot out of his stand one time with his diamond bow and blew it up. That's right, I forgot about that. Yeah, mm. yeah you gotta yeah. be careful when you're bow hunting. Make sure there ain't no railings. Yes, because it can cause bad things to happen. Um, but that's my stands. Um, but let's roll this into, so you have your property, right? How do you determine where to put your, your bait, like, and camera and stuff like that? Okay. Let's go with yours first. Cause yours is going to be a whole lot a easier than, than, yeah. Than what mine is being 20 acres versus a hundred. It's probably still the same concept, though. It, yes, you, it is. You're right. Really, any hunter that has hunted enough to know how a deer works, mm-hmm. you know, they travel bed. I mean, bedding area to food source to bedding area, mm-hmm. food source during the rut. They're just running all over the place, but a lot of times it's between their food source and yeah. bedding areas. So what I usually try and do, if I can find a bedding area, it's hard to do when you only have 20 acres because you can only look on that 20 acres. If there's yeah. no bedding area on the 20 acres. You're kind of guessing, okay, maybe it's bedding over there on the neighbor's property. But we got a man, you got a pretty good idea. Two years ago when we hunted where the bedding areas were, and I can mm-hmm. about guarantee, I know three of them. Yeah. They're all right on the outskirts of the property, not in my property, but I know. But right, right on, on the on other it. side of the property. And so, right like, now. for early season, what I'm doing is finding, okay, this is a bedding area that they're using the most this time of year, and they're traveling. You know, you can see the deer trails when you walk in the woods. It's one of the easiest things to pick out. You just find a deer trail, a really heavy deer trail, looking for deer sign finding fresh poop and you know everything scrapes whatever it may be and then to go into a food source so for me in particular i don't have crop fields or anything like that but i've got an acorn flat on the top of my right behind the house and so what they're doing is they're traveling from that bedding area to the acorn flat so i kind of pick the spot in the middle or on the acorn flat even but when you're trying to get deer in daylight you want to get close to the bedding area you know you don't Mm -hmm. always want to get too close so your main thing is you're looking for a natural food source and then you're 
putting your corn and my camera on on the near the natural food source or on a trail to get to that natural food source mm. because like we said in i think the first episode you can put a corn in the woods anywhere and you're gonna have deer show up to it but it's i'm getting 2400 pictures like in three days right now where mm. my corn's at and it's not because i just threw my corn out there i put it on where four or five trails converge coming out of that bedding yeah. area and yeah. i know where they were headed to they were headed up to where that I mean, obviously acorns quite, aren't quite falling just yet but that's where they travel and they're getting up to the, the top of those that ridge line almost not really quite a ridge but the top of that hill and well and what you, where your corn is is basically where trails coming from all three of those mm-hmm. bedding areas almost converge yeah, right there right there yeah and and roll up and we learned that two years, two years ago, ago so it's basically you know if you're going out to a property for your first time you you you're looking for trails and stuff like that fresh sign yeah fresh sign you know old rubs mm-hmm. is a is an indicator um stuff like that um and you want to try to put your for us for instance because we can bait you want to put your bait in that area and then hunt something like hunt that yeah um you know and if you can't bait you still would like to be in that, that same area yeah. yeah you're even if i didn't have bait where i'm at i'm obviously i'm not going to get deer hanging out in that area for two hours but they're going to that those deer would have used that exact same yes. path that they used to get to where they were going yeah exactly. their area. so off of that how do you determine where to put your your hunting setup like for your instance mm-hmm. you're blind how how do you so you found your area where you're going to put your corn and your camera so then off of that how do you determine where 360 degrees around it you can pick spots so now you got to figure out where to put it so what how do you how did you go about planning on where you put your blind okay so i put it where i put it this year because of access how to get into it i can walk through the pine trees and get to it without having to walk down the main deer trail that goes to that acorn flat and then also wind is a big key like you want to try like if i could have hunt on the back side of the corn so like if if I could have put my blind on the opposite side of the corn, which wouldn't have worked out hardly anyways because the bedding area is kind of over yeah, that way. The deer be, come from They would be area. walking on top of my yeah. blind to get to the corn. That would be better for wind particularly because I prefer to hunt a north wind, a north-based wind. Yeah, because it's because cooler. Cold, yeah, yeah, cold fronts. But I set mine up this year. I got it. I tried to get it off of the deer trails. So, like, where I'm hunting, there's deer trails galore, and it's about near impossible to get. Obviously, I had a, literally a fawn two feet from my blind yesterday, and it's just because it's just traveling right there so it's hard to get it off the deer trail but i try and pick the spot where there's you know a natural obstruction or something that's going to make them walk around it anyways and then put the blind in that way and then shooting lanes you know i like to have natural shooting lanes as much as i can just because the more you mess up in the woods they're going to notice that now they'll get used to it you can cut down all the trees you want they'll get used to it and still use it but you know for an open day sit or any time through the year the less you have to do to manipulate the woods to work for you the better so I tried to find a spot that was 20 to 25 yards away. That was, I set it up against a dead tree, um, big old dead tree, and my blinds literally backed up against to it. And so the deer, they have to walk around me anyways because of that big old tree. And then I just try to get it in a position where if I know the deer are going to come out of this bedding area, I want to set it up to where well, I like to shoot before they get to the corn pile most of the time. So try and set it up in a way where you could have that shot before they get to the corn pile. Not that you can't shoot them out of the corn pile. Sometimes it's easier and you have mm-hmm. to wait. But if you can get them as they're coming in, uh, it makes for an easier shot um, a lot of times. So that, that's kind of how I do it. Like last year, um, for instance, I had it set up on the acorn ridge, a little acorn flat up there. 
and it was in a good spot. The deer were using it, but it wasn't their main travel. Like it was, I was catching one trail out of a bedding area as opposed to where right now I'm catching six trails out of bedding areas or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have, that's one reason why I didn't have as much luck last year. Cause I didn't have my blinding spot and I put my corn on a main deer trail, but it wasn't, it still took them a while to find it. And they just, they didn't want to come up there. Now when the acorns started falling last year, they were all up in there. And, but I saw more deer outside of my corn pile when the acorns were falling than on my corn pile. So yeah. that's just, you're just trying to stick with the natural movement of the deer and mess up as least amount of things. Like when, if I'm putting a stand, uh, it's a little bit different than a blind because you can put a stand on just about any tree. So it's more about that, at that point, access point. You don't want to walk over where the deer are going to be walking in and you don't want to, you know, put it on where you're going to have a terrible wind most of the year and you can only hunt it one time. So I mean, those are the two main things that I look at is like, okay, what winds can I hunt this on? What are going to be the most easiest way to hunt it with winds and then trying to not disturb their natural movement mm-hmm. well me having basically five times the amount of land that you do um it's a little bit more difficult because i'm not i've got several food sources uh, like i said before I, there's standing corn now um there's a lot of hardwood so a lot of acorns and stuff like that um there is uh there is a major bedding area on my property um and then i also know of two other on um, neighboring properties of, of bedding areas that they move from actually three i take that back there's three um and stuff so basically me going in this year i wanted going off of um data from last year basically hunting um i i have there's a small field in the very middle of my whole property and that's my sweet spot um that's where i shot at them two big bucks last year um bingo with the bow and splitter with the rifle um and it's on the top of a ridge it's literally there's a ridge that runs right through the middle of the property and then on one side, it kind of slowly goes down to the cornfield. On the other side, it drops straight down to the creek. And this field's at the top. And, I mean, it's a little, like, I think it's three-quarters of an acre. And there's nothing planted in it. It's just grass. But um, I'm going to try to get a little bit of a food plot in there. But anyways, that's beside the point. But I have a camera there with a bait pile because they use that area as, like, a safe haven right there. And it's between, it's between two of the bedding areas. So a lot of times, I get a lot of daytime pictures there. Like, even in the middle of the day, especially if it's raining, I have noticed yeah. that, too. Because them deer, it's like a safe haven for them. Um, it's a good place for them to get to. And they can get there quick. And get there quick and all that stuff. So, I have a, a bait pile there. I have a camera there. I have a camera on the back side of the property at the bedding area, which I, I'm not hunting this year. Um, but I do have a camera there. That's the one that I only check, like, every couple weeks or so. Um, and it's it's on a mineral site. Um, and you know, I don't get a whole lot of pictures there, but for some reason, a lot of times I get a lot of buck pictures there. Yeah. Um, it's probably the buck bedding area. Yeah. Um, and it's on the back side of the bedding area and everything. So it's really hard to get in there without spooking a lot of stuff. That's one reason why I don't hunt it this year. Um, and then I also have one on acorn flat and I put some bait there and stuff and I, I never ran a camera there last year, so I was pretty excited about it. And I'm actually getting the most buck pictures there 
than I am anywhere else. Um, but I, I don't have a stand there yet because I think I'm going to use my climber to go in there. Um, it's pretty open because I mean, it's just hardwoods right there. It's a small patch, like a, a tiny patch of like, there's probably like 15 oak trees just right there. So there's it's it's open and all that stuff. And it's right off of the a neighboring bedding area. I mean, it's probably 100 yards from um, the property line. And they they come from up on the north side of the property and come down. So there, that's a place that I put stuff. And then I also have a camera down. There's a sewer line. The city sewer line actually runs through there. Um, I know I do not hunt in the city, but I am fairly close. But um, there's a sewer line that runs through there. And the deer travel that sewer line to come out to the field because it actually comes out to the field, to the big cornfield. And I actually have a camera down there, and it kind of drops down in this little bottom because the creek runs right there too. So it's like a, a really big pinch point right there. So I have a camera right there with a, a bait pile, but the bait pile really is to just get the deer to stop right there. I yeah. don't have a setup right there either, but it's just to kind of, you know, get the deer to stop in front of the camera because that's what that, that's, that, that's one of my Tasco cameras is set up right there. And then I have another camera, um, another Tasco set up on another trail that comes off of a neighboring property and coming into mine just to kind of see what's cruising going over there because i know that there's another hunter over there and stuff just just curious you know just see what's what's coming through and all that stuff um and so that's kind of how i've placed my five cameras you know i mean i would love to have five more if i could and place them in other places i mean i have tons of other places that i'd love i mean i'll be like walking to my stand i'll be like man that's a good looking trail right there and it's heavily used I wish I had another camera to put right there. And 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 it's not a bad thing to move your cameras. Like oh, I yeah. no, I might no. move that that one Tasco down there on the um sewer line. I might move it to this one trail that I found okay. yesterday. Definitely but, when you have big big properties yeah. like that just trying to break them apart. It's it does get hard. Yeah. But it's a And then how I place my stands to whatever area that I find that I want to hunt is basically the same exact way that Mm. that you explained it i look at i first try to figure out where the deer are coming from because you don't want to put your stand right where they're coming from like what you were saying if you put it on the other side of your corn pile the deer gonna get to you before they even get to your corn or whatever but um figure out where they're coming from so then you're kind of off that but still close enough to shoot them coming to the corn because that's i'm the same way i'd I'd rather shoot them right before they get to the corn than them standing in the corn um and another reason for that too is you know with having a bait pile you might get six eight ten does sitting there eating and when that happens it's really hard to get a shot off with your boat i mean think about it that's 20 if you got 10 does standing there that's 20 eyes yeah and so you know if you can try to shoot at something that's 20 yards back from your corn pile, you have less of a chance because you're not in their line of sight then. Um, and as far as like how I place my stands, I try to, I think a lot of people do this. And this is where I think some people mess up is they pick a tree first. They're walking through the woods and they're like, man, that tree is just the perfect tree to put a stand. Cause I'm guilty. Oh, yeah, I'm guilty too. of that. 
saying, man, dude, that tree is just perfect. Man, it's got good cover. It's just perfect. It just looks perfect. It, it just looks like a deer stand should be sitting in it. So then they put their deer stand. Then they put their bait pile out. Then they're sitting there wondering why they ain't seeing no deer. Or why the deer's coming in behind them and keep busting Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so what I think needs to happen is find where you want to put your bait pile in our case because we can bait or find the trail find what you want to hunt find your first. shoot spot your shooter see where you're going to shoot exactly first work backwards then find a tree off of that mm-hmm. it might not be the perfect the perfect tree that you're like man that's it oh man i can't get 20 foot up in that tree you don't have to be 20 foot no. up in a tree i'm i literally am probably maybe 15 foot off the ground in my lock on I mean, I, I'm, I'm in a cedar tree. I had to cut two limbs to make two little holes. Like, a deer's going to really have a struggle to see me up there. You know, but I'm I'm still, you know, pretty close to the ground for bow hunting. You know, you hear a lot of people, they're like, man, I, I try to get like 25, 30 foot up in the tree. I'm like, why? Well, some of my scent blows over them. Well, if you're hunting the right wind. It don't matter then you shouldn't have to worry about that and that's another thing that i play into um into effect is is wind direction i try to plan like okay if i if i sit in this tree i have to think about okay i'm only going to sit here in this wind just like yesterday for instance we had that south southeast wind where i'd put that lock on it was perfect absolutely the absolute perfect wind was right there all that um like you said getting into the spot you don't want to have to walk over everything yeah. that you're hunting to go sit in a tree. You know, so you, there's a lot of things that go into then just picking a tree, putting a stand up, throwing out some corn and all that. It don't really work that way. No, well, that's where a lot of people go wrong is they'll hunt in the same setup year after year after year. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, like, they're doing it because, well, my grandpa set up this deer stand and I've just been hunting it for years. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're not killing anything out of them. They're like, I wonder why. And it's like if you – move like it could just be you're in the wrong spot and yeah. I mean, even if you only got five acres i mean you can still find where the deer are moving and set up for the deer as opposed to just setting, yeah. sitting in a spot because it's been there and that's the spot you hunt and that's i mean i'm guilty of that too i mean i did that last year i'm like i'm gonna hunt this spot because i know there was deer up here last year and it didn't work and that's the other thing too you're gonna don't be afraid to move your stuff after you sit one time and you're like yeah. this isn't right um, if you get busted before they even get close to you or something of that nature or they're you know you just realize they're coming in from a totally different direction than i thought you know move it fix it and and try again start over don't be afraid to start I mean, even even if it's november and you've sat in the same stand for 10 sits you know just make that make that change and i do that a lot my wife gets mad at me because i move stuff i'm like oh this ain't exactly where i needed to be i need to move it 10 feet over mm-hmm. to the right and i did that last year a bunch but you got to do what you got to do sometimes and it paid it usually will pay off Finding where the deer are moving and just stick to what their their natural movements. Try don't try and make them do different things. I mean, obviously, if you you know you can hire guys that are coming there and saw cut you know cut your trees over and you you can change their habitat and doing that's different. I'm, but I'm talking about if you're hunting 20 acres and you can't do any of that because it's not your land anyways. Find where the deer are moving. Find where where you want to, your kill spot to be and set up on it. Adapt and improvise. Yep. Um, and another thing is, is trail cameras can only tell you so much. I mean, you can study them, you can put them on video, but just because in that trail camera, the first picture that deer's walking in from the right. Don't mean it came from the right. No. That's most of my trail camera pictures of my bucks. They're coming in from the left. 
But as I saw last night, they're, they're circling and they're, they're going. Yep. Which in. was what a lot of yep. bucks will do yep, is they'll, they'll, they'll come in and circle and try to get downwind, which is what they did last night. Yep. You know, to get to come in on the left side of your corn, they were getting on the yep. south side of the corn. Yeah. So they would circle the corn and come in downwind, and that's what happened to me last year when I killed my bow buck. Is I thought they were coming up the trail from the left side. Like if you're if you're my camera, I thought they were coming in from the left side, walking up the trail from the creek. But I sat in the stand on the first time, and I had a bachelor group, and what they did is they they did come up from the creek but come from behind my camera, circled around my camera, come out and circled around the corn, and then came up and into my corn. Yep. And it was the second time, the second time I sat it, um, when they circled around, then I had that seven-pointer come out yep. that I shot. And I shot him right after he stepped out of the woods. Yep. And what was crazy is I was, I, the first buck come through, and I was like, oh, I know that buck. That seven pointer should be with him because he's been with him, and every picture that I, that seven pointer's in, that other buck's with him. And sure enough, bloop, he stepped right out. But well, let's end off the uh, the question with what was your most memorable hunt? All right, one hunt. What yeah. is it? Possibly might be the same as yeah, mine. probably it's gonna be. It was the day we was hunting over in Mebane. Yep. And we were muzzleloader. Yep, muzzleloader season. We had just bought a muzzleloader the day before, or was it? it? Might have been that day. No, it was that. It was day, that day because we hunted morning. that morning, and the muzzleloader crapped out on us. So we're like, yeah. get this, we're going to buy a new one. I blew a cap off that morning, yeah. and I was like, no, nah. I was like, we're going so to we went get. And bought that CVA wolf, split it in half and half, and then went out to Mebbin to that eighty acres there, and we had a plan. We were going to sit in this one stand, and we get there, and the wind was terrible. Well, we would plan to sit on the ground. Yeah, on the ground, but it was at where our stand yeah. was down in the and swamp. Did not, we just didn't like it. So we're like, mm-hmm. let's just run through the woods, you know, let's just figure out what we can feel like. I think we were like, let's go to the creek bottom and see what's in the, yeah, the creek that's bottom. exactly what we did. And so we got to the creek bottom, it's like 400 yard walk. Yeah. And we were like, this isn't it either. No. And so then we just kept going. And because uh, this was a pretty decent, big, uh, yeah. pretty decent sized property, yeah, it was a pretty big chunk. And um, so I was like, well, let's just keep going and see, you know, when we find what we want to hunt, we'll, we'll set on set up on it. And we keep going. We get there. We find another creek bottom. Yep. And we, I was really like, this is this looks nice. Like it just, there was a bunch of sign. Yeah. I remember remember why exactly we sat up on it, but it just the balloon tree. Remember yeah, there was a balloon. Yeah, there was a balloon on one of the trees. Yeah. But it just looked like I mean it was there was a bunch of sign. There was a bunch of rubs. I know that. And and there was that little cliff that kind of went yep. down in there. And it yeah. was it was a good spot to sit on the ground too because we had a lot of natural yeah. being hidden and everything. So we sat there and we. It was in muzzleloader, so middle rut or middle pre-rut. Mm-hmm. We started, I think we started grunting. We grunted and we rattled. And rattled. I rattled that one time. And then also we were just sitting there, and here comes a small buck up from the right. No, 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 no. Or did it come so from the left? No, he come up from the left. No, timeout, timeout. You, might, you probably ought to tell a story because you no. know it better than me. Well, that buck started rubbing that tree oh, yeah. first, and I couldn't see yes. it, but you could. I could see his antlers. I was filming. And you could see, yeah, yeah, because on camera, all you can see is tree the movement. tree just, like, sloshing just back and forth. And I was and like, you're you like, got a shot, you got a shot, and you're like, no, I can't see him. Yeah. And then a four-pointer comes up yeah. from the left, same walks. on the other side of the creek closer yeah. to us. And I was like, shoot that one. <laughs> and, I like, and I was like, no. <laughs> and then, uh, go ahead, keep going. And so then after that, you said no. So I was like, wow. He said he's going to shoot this big one. So I was like, you got to get a shot. He's going to take off here in a minute because the little one was about to wind us. He was about to get, I mean, he was literally going to walk 10 yeah. feet in front of us. And somehow he found a hole. 
between a V and a yeah. tree that, and this wasn't like a V in the tree, like up close to us. This was at the deer. The, so the deer walked on the other side of the Creek and he walked down the Creek and I only seen his rack for a split yeah. second. And I seen it and I was like, Oh, that's a decent buck. And, um, he stopped behind this, this tree and Bradley, I was like, can you see him? And Bradley's like, no. And I was, cause then that, that little buck ran Yeah. and I was like, I got to shoot him now. And the only thing I could see, I could not see his head and I could not see his body, but I could see his neck through this V in the tree that he is standing behind. And I was like, Hey, you only live once. Yeah, <laughs> and I shot, <laughs> remember I shot. And then me and you, we we jumped up and we're looking around. Everything was smoked out. Yeah, yeah, because we were in that bottom. And I was like, "Did you hit him?" You're like, "I don't know." <laughs> we ran over there, and there he was. He had dropped. Yeah, we were freaking out. And at that time, was I think that was my biggest yeah, buck I'd ever killed. It was an eight pointer. I had a broken off G three or something. Yeah, and it was a, I mean, just a little basket rack eight yeah. pointer. But up until that point, neither one of us had killed anything bigger than a six pointer. Yeah, and we was, were freaking yeah, out. It was a, that was fun and just. Just the, like, we didn't know much about hunting at that no. time. We were just hunting just, to hunt. Dude, we were shooting How long everything. ago was that? It was like eight, nine years ago, probably? It was after. It was the year, it was 2012. So. Nine years ago. Yep. Holy smokes. And then now we're a lot, we probably wouldn't make that shot nowadays. No. Absolutely but not. It, just, it was just one of those moments that just, like, we we were very lucky. Yes. And would never do it again, but it was, all in well, the moment was awesome. It was the first time I ever seen a buck rub a tree. Yep. Still we, the only time I've ever seen a buck rub a tree. Really? Yeah, and I've then seen another one. Just what was the craziest thing is I seen I'm telling you for a split second, I seen his rack. But I had no idea and it wasn't a giant. I'm let's just throw that out there. It wasn't no giant. Mm-hmm. I mean it might have been hundred and ten inches. But I seen the rack as it's as it walked through just one little spot before it got behind that tree. And so I knew it was bigger than the four pointer that yep. was sitting in front of us. So I was like I'm going to shoot that one. And uh, so I didn't have any idea even what it was, really. I just knew it was a buck, and it was bigger than the buck that was standing, what, 15 yards in front of us? And uh, and so it, that was what made it better, I think, than anything, is because neither one of us really knew, knew how, how big, big it was, was we until we up. got down there. Yeah, that was awesome. Still one of the coolest experiences. I mean, just was – I mean, being able, that was the first time we ever picked a spot and, like, this is where it's going to happen. Yeah. And, like, we we ran through the woods for an hour trying to find a spot. Yeah. I mean, we probably messed up a lot of the hunting. Oh, yeah. Night. But we were just like, we're going to find a spot because this is the kill night. I mean, yeah. I don't know what it was about that night, but we figured it was going to go down. And it just it just happened perfect, worked out perfect. And it was just watching him rub a tree. Yeah. It was just, it was cool. It that was, awesome. I would probably say that was probably my most memorable. But, I mean, I got... I got some others that are up there with it. Um, I mean, I've I've rattled I rattled in a, a really big buck one time bow hunting. It, the end, it was on Halloween night. Yeah, I remember that story. Um, I got attacked by an owl one time, and that night that was on a Halloween. That yeah. was the Halloween night the year before. Um, rattled in the buck. Yeah, before I rattled in that buck, but that night I rattled in two different bucks, and. Um, and then right at dark, I got attacked by an owl while I'm sitting in my climber, like 20 foot up in the tree. That was scary. Um, there's that one. I mean, then the the shooting that bucket five yards at your grandparents yeah. on Thanksgiving. There's a lot of stories we could tell about the mountain. We could sit here and talk hunting stories. 
all day. They're every, every single one of them is memorable. And if you get out in the woods enough, cool things are going to happen. Yeah. And just seeing deer, I mean, even hunting last night and just seeing those deer, I mean, seeing my first velvet buck for a like sitting there and getting to see it. Like, it's just it's just something about a velvet buck. It's just awesome. Like, That's what makes person, the hunt, though, is the story. Yeah, and I would agree. I love it. I it's, love it. It's an awesome thing. But before we go on, we're already uh, getting to our uh, time limit here. All right. But so we'll uh, talk about some Jesus here for a minute. I got the verse I want to use this week is Romans 10, uh, 9 and 10. And it says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And so, I mean, this is the verse that literally just it tells you how to get to know Jesus. Um, and we haven't talked about that yet. We've talked about, I mean, for people that may be listening to this, that, you know, like, what is he talking about Jesus and having a relationship with Jesus and trying to live a, you know, a Jesus life? They're like, well, I don't even know who Jesus is. Well, this right here, there's one way to heaven. There's one way to the Father, and it's through Jesus, who died on the cross for your sins, came to this earth at you know, virgin birth, and was crucified, and three days later was rose from the dead. And that's that's the gospel in itself right there. That is what Christianity is about. And when you believe that and you confess that and you believe it in faith, you know, you, you then become a child of God. And so I, I just wanted to throw this out there this week. I mean, we're getting five episodes in, and I just wanted to, before we get too deep in it, for the people that don't know Jesus, um, we could sit here and tell, kind of like last week, we told testimonies of what Jesus has done in our life. But this right here is how you meet Jesus. Um, and, you know, confessing that Jesus is the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead three days later. And so I got some quick questions that I wrote about these, and it says, what does it mean to be a Christian? And no, You want me to go? Yeah, go. If you, want, if you got anything. Um, what it means to me to be a Christian is love. Um. Because, um, I mean, love is God. Mm-hmm. God the, is love. Yeah, and it is a different kind of love. It's not the same kind of love as, like, loving my wife or me loving you. It's, it's, There's no way to <laughs> it's, I, I was about to say, it's, you can't even yeah. explain you the read, love. Read 1 Corinthians 13 where it talks about love and what the characteristics of love is. And you take that, and if you ever read it, and you're like, how am I supposed to ever love anybody if I have to love like that? Because it's literally impossible. Yeah. Um, it's like love is patient, love is kind, um, all, all of those attributes of love. And God, and that is God. That's who God is because God mm-hmm. is love. It says that in James, I believe. And so, yeah, that's, that's a good one. And then, but to go off of that, so what it means to be a Christian is you think about it, you know, I started with that for a reason because you're you're supposed to be kind to other people, lead them to God. You know, that's part of our calling calling on earth, exactly, Um, and all that. And the way you do that is by loving. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're hateful (laughs) trying to tell somebody about God. They don't want to listen. Yeah, they ain't going to want to listen. Um, And and it's not even talking. It's actions. You know, um, just being there for somebody; those are all acts of love, which in turn is 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 God. Yep, exactly. So, what I got for that answer is relationship. Mm. So, yeah, that's a good. The, one too. To be a Christian, like people think that God is a hard God; that He is just this person that sits in the sky, and when you, He's just waiting for you to do something wrong, He's going to crack that whip on you and say, "Ah, you're wrong here. Turn around." Um, and that's not what being a Christian is. Being a Christian is having a relationship with God. And when you become a Christian, when you accept Jesus into your heart and you, you confess with your mouth and you believe that he died on the cross for you 
you become a child of God. And so, like, think of any child relationship, whether it be you with your dad or your mom or you with your son or your daughter, and just think about God in that position. And, like, trying, like, it's the only way as humans that we can even imagine it, which God's the perfect father. So it's not like us, us as humans who make mistakes. God doesn't make mistakes. But just imagine, like, if your child went off and did something dumb, um, obviously you're, you're going to correct um, in a sense because you don't want bad things to happen to them. But if they go off and do something absolutely dumb, like the ch- the story of the prodigal son comes to my mind a lot where he asks his dad for his inheritance. His dad hasn't even died yet. He takes mm-hmm. his inheritance, goes and squanders the money on lustful living, um, prostitutes and partying and everything. And then he re- he gets to the end of his rope and is like, I can't live like this. I need my father. Mm-hmm. And he goes back home and the dad opens like just welcomes him through a party. Yep, he threw a party and welcomed yep. him with open arms. That's who God is. Yep. Um, and he's not this hard God that just wants to to crack the whip. And it's just so many. And it goes back to God is love. And when when he when you look at those attributes in First Corinthians thirteen, I mean, that's who God is. And he, yeah. And so that relationship with God is a is what I think of being a Christian is because first you got to have that relationship and you got to experience mm-hmm. God's love before you can take God's love out and yes. share it with true. people. True. 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 So true. That, that was my answer to that, and then we answered the second, the other question, which is God really a hard God, and okay. he's he's not a hard God. I mean, I think let me just throw this out there too: when you do something dumb in the world, whether whatever it be, like just for instance, say you're in high school and you get your girlfriend pregnant, it's I mean, it's not right, but it happens. God still loves you. <laughs> So, I mean, that might not be the greatest example, but it's just the first one that came to mind. But, like, God still loves you, and he's not going to just exile you and beat you to death and say, you're stupid, I don't like you. You're get, going to hell. Yep, get your yeah. life like, get your life right before you come to me. That's not who God is. Mm-hmm. God's going to, I mean, you're still going to have to deal with the earthly consequences because of getting your wife, girlfriend pregnant in high school. You're going to mm-hmm. have a child, and you're going to have to learn how to deal with that. But God still wants to have that relationship. He still wants to be close with you, and he wants you to prosper, and he's always going to work things out for your good, like we worked yep. out, talked about last week. And then... So the last one is how do we grow that relationship with with the Father? All right. Um, I, I'll take this one. Um, talking with God, prayer. That is your, that's your telephone. Number one. That's your phone line to God. He, he's always available. Yep. Um, God, dog, man, cold chills. <laughs> but uh, um, he's, he's always there. And, you know, you, you mess up. For instance, I, I and we're saying the messed up thing because that's where people think that they messed up and that God doesn't God, want yeah, them exactly. because they messed up. But we're all you, sinners. We're it, all exactly. <laughs> but you mess up, pick up the telephone, call God. God, I messed up. Repent. That's the yep. repentant part of being a Christian. I messed up. I'm sorry. I love you. You know, help me turn things around. Exactly. I need can, your help and yep. to make this better. Um, so talking to God, I think is yeah. number one, hands one down. One thing that I always yeah. think about that is talk, thank uh, if you're married or girlfriend or anything like that, how do you have a relationship with that person? Communication. communication. Exactly. You can't have a relationship without communication and your communication with God is prayer. And so like, if, if I don't talk to my wife for a week, we're not going to have a very good relationship <laughs> at the end of that week. Like, yeah. She's probably going to be really mad at me, but like, <laughs> God is not going to get mad at you if you don't talk to him. But like from an earthly standpoint, like. In it's going to hurt your relationship. Yeah, it is. And so from an, in order to grow close to God, open line of communication to one, like all the time. And it's not just like there's a verse that says pray without ceasing. 
and it's that's the mind it's a it's a mindset of just praying all the time of like going through my day and i i do this a lot where i'm driving i drive a lot for my mm-hmm. work and i just talk to god on a two-hour trip and i mean i'll just I'll, literally i'm talking to myself most of the time in the car if you ever drive past me and you just see me mouthing words i'm either singing or i'm talking to god <laughs> and, and i'm just i talk to him out loud like i'm like he's sitting in my passenger seat and it's just that's what it's about yeah and another thing is it doesn't have to be all you know um what is it theatrical yeah and and like theater yeah like what it's played out to be in church yeah (laughs) look hey god what's going on you know that's how god wants it i messed up today man i'm sorry like or what's up god what you got planned for me today yep exactly like talk to him you talk to him like you're talking to your best friend but I mean, your best friend that knows everything, and if you ever need to have anybody <laughs> answer a question, he's got the answer for yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. And just because you pray for something doesn't mean that that's what God actually has in store for you. Yeah. Just like the song, sometimes I thank God for unanswered yeah. prayers. And I mean, I can name a thousand. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, because God knows what's best. His ways are higher yeah. than our ways. But, you know, prayer... And worship, worship is another way to to communicate with God and grow that relationship. That's yep. a, that's a big thing. God, like He is perfect. He's and when you really know who God is, you long to worship Him. Yeah, and it's it'll be in your being to just because you're going to worship something. As a human being, we are dr- worship driven creatures. Whether it be worshiping deer hunting or mm-hmm. worshiping God, and that's you know you God longs for our worship because He. I mean, he's perfect. And, so, and worship isn't just singing. No, it's not. It's it's a lifestyle. I used exactly. to have a sticker that said worship is a lifestyle. I said Jesus is a lifestyle. But also yeah. I think I had one that said worship is a lifestyle. And it's just going through your daily motions and just giving glory to God no matter what. And that doesn't always mean, you know, you hit a home run, you stop and say, ah, that one's for God. It's, <laughs> it's just, you know, everything is you're doing it because he's worthy. Mm-hmm. And he's the only one worthy. Yep. And then the last one is, is the Bible. I yes. mean, it's... God's love letter written to us. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you read a lot of the Old Testament, and it might not seem like a love letter because there's a lot of story. Yeah, story and gore and mm-hmm. a lot of condemnation in the Old Testament. It's but, like the background. Yeah. But what happened is God came, Jesus came. When Jesus came to this earth, you, the Old Testament is the Old Covenant, which is you basically had to live right or God was going to punish you type of deal. Yeah. Um, when Jesus came to the earth, grace and forgiveness and love i mean that's where god it just really shows who god is and god was that person has always been that person but it's just we have the sacrificial lamb and that's what he did he took those sins for us we didn't have that before in the old testament they didn't have that that's why they had to sacrifice animals was to get right with god well when jesus sent when god sent jesus he was our sacrificial lamb so now there is an open line of communication where we can just come to god and he he wants to have that personal relationship with us. So mm-hmm. read the Bible, read the New Testament like a love letter that God wrote to you, and it just changes your world. Mm-hmm. So that's all I got today for that. But it's uh, talk about that. We have, I know that was kind of deep, and it got deep real quick. I wasn't yeah, really expecting it, it to get deep <laughs> that quick. But if you want, if you have any questions about Jesus, about who Jesus is, and want to know more, email us. We have an email. It's on our podcast description. You can email us. You can comment on our post on Instagram, on Facebook. Yep. Or you can direct um, message us. Yep, on, or direct on message us on those things. I mean, and just, we will answer your questions. We're not theologians, but we love Jesus, and he will, the Holy Spirit will come in and help us answer any of your questions. Even if we don't know the answers, we'll try and find your answers. But if you need to know Jesus, if you want to know Jesus, and you want to, you know, 
trust Jesus with your life and give it to him, we can help you there. So just we're here. Yeah. So, and that's the point of this is we just want to spread the name of Jesus. That's what we're doing it for. Yeah, we love hunt, talking, hunting, fishing, but Jesus is our first love. So That's right. Well, you want me to close this out? Go for it. All right. Dear God, I just want to thank you for today. Thank you for uh, letting us be able to come here, God, and um, sit in this old shed with just this old refrigerator and this old table and just all this stuff just sitting here when it just doesn't mean anything and that we can sit here and talk about you and and love with you and communicate with you god just uh just thank you for that thank you for that always having um that open line that you know that we can always just pick up that phone and just and call you and you're always going to answer lord i just want to pray god um over this podcast um just please god just continue to use it in in however in whatever direction you see god just use it uh we we give this podcast to you lord um, I want to pray that if there's anybody listening that doesn't know you, Lord, that you'll give them the courage to reach out, to find out more about you, to accept them, in, to accept you into their heart, God. Um, just uh, let them that don't know you and are still, you know, turning uh, away from you, just let them know that you still love them, that, that you are there, God. Just, um, again, Lord, please keep everybody safe as... Uh, as everybody's going through this hunting season and uh you know just thank you god i I can't ever say that enough lord just thank you so much for all that you do lord amen amen all right thanks for tuning in to episode five we'll holler at you next time